Welcome to Balanced Black Girl, a podcast dedicated to mental, physical, and emotional health from the Black woman's perspective. Tune in to hear from Black woman health and wellness experts giving the approachable advice you need to help you feel your best. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Let's dive in. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Balanced Black Girl Podcast. My name is Les. I am your host, and I am honored to be sharing this space with you. Wanted to do a quick check-in to see how you were doing. I don't know what time it is, where you are, or when you're listening to this. But if it's been a little while since you've checked in with yourself, I just want to see, are you hydrated? Do you need to get up and grab? a glass of water, or maybe make a little bit of tea if it's a little chilly where you are? Do you need to get up and take a little stretch or readjust your posture if you're in an uncomfortable position? Just want to invite you to take a moment to check in with yourself and see what it is you need right now. It can be very easy to go all day long and we can easily miss those little things. And I do it sometimes too, where you are working away and I realize, oh, I've had no water or when was the last time I stood up and did something? So I invite you to do that now if you need a reminder. December has been a whirlwind month for us here at Balance Black Girl as we just launched our new virtual wellness platform guided, which is a community for listeners of this podcast, a community to connect, a community to take self-care to the next level, and a place to continue the conversation outside of the podcast. Within Guided, members have access to monthly self-care plans. So at the start of each month, we have a self-care theme along with resources and a few small, super achievable goals designed to help you feel well and add a bit more wellness throughout your day. We have also brought back Book Club to live within the membership community. And what I am most excited about So we have a lineup of incredible programming from our Balanced Black Girl experts. So each month we will be featuring experts who have been on the podcast to come in and give a talk and teach incredible workshops with our community. I'm going to be kicking things off with the Foundations of Self-Care workshop in the community on December 16th. So that is where I am giving you just the nuts and bolts if you are like, What even is self-care? I'm tired of hearing people talk about it. How do I actually do it? And how do I do it in this season we're in? This workshop is for you. So December 16th is going to be our first programming workshop with me, Les, teaching it. Next month, we have an incredible workshop with Michelle White, who is our guest on episode 19 of the podcast, Making Self-Care Accessible. She's going to be leading a workshop all about what to do when your self-care isn't working, so how to make those adjustments as life changes and ebbs and flows. And from there, we have an incredible lineup planned for 2021 with your favorite guests and experts who've been featured on the podcast. And in addition to all of that, we have the most supportive women who are members of the community 
who are there ready to support you and cheer you on. So don't miss out on joining the community. It is really such a beautiful, supportive, welcoming space. And each month we are adding more and more to it. You can go to balanceblackgirl.com slash community. That's balanceblackgirl.com slash community to join us. You don't want to miss out on this. So I have talked a little bit about my journey in singleness here on the podcast. Actually, it's been a while. I think the last time I I really talked about it was in a solo episode that I did at the beginning of 2020. But y'all, I mean, spoiler alert, not a lot has changed since then. (laughs) But um, just as a, a recap for those who maybe don't know or didn't have a chance to listen to that episode is that I have been single for over three years now. And I have been kind of interested in dating, kind of not. I would go in and out a little bit. And at the beginning of 2020, I thought, okay, this is going to be my time. I'm going to meet people. I live in a new city. Like I've got my groove back. I'm going to date. And as soon as I felt like I was starting to get a groove, that was when Miss Rona came. And we all know that she has since long overstayed her welcome. So that's been a different experience, a different intention than what I said at the beginning of the year. But you know, we're working it out. And I have heard from a lot of you that a lot of you who are also single have had similar experiences where you were really hoping to get out there and meet people more. And the events of this year have just made that really challenging. And that is what today's episode is all about. Our guest today is Demona Hoffman, who is a dating coach and media personality. She's also the host of her own podcast, Dates and Mates, which is a really fun listen. We'll have that linked in the show notes so that you can check it out. And she has been featured anywhere and everywhere. She's been on Black Love and A Question of Love. She's a contributor to the LA Times, the Washington Post, NPR, CNN, BET.com. She's the dating correspondent on the Drew Barrymore Show. She knows her stuff and is so well-respected. And when you tune into this episode, you will see why. I had so much fun talking to Demona. She is so engaging, so encouraging. And if you're someone who's struggled with dating or felt frustrated with dating, she makes you feel like you could do it, (laughs) which for those of us who have had, you know, luck that's maybe been a little all over the place, like we need someone saying you can do this. And she breaks down how we can do it, how we can do it within our boundaries and how we can do it safely and within our limits with the world we're living in today. So I am so excited to introduce you to Demona and please enjoy this conversation. Demona, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here today. Girl, I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) It's, I mean, this topic, dating, One of my favorite topics to talk about, although I have to be honest, not my favorite topic to like live and experience. So (laughs) (laughs) I (laughs) get you dig into it today with you. I get you. Yes, I I'm not out. I'm not out in these dating streets personally anymore, but I've been doing this for 15 years. So I know what people are going through. I know what they've been through and I'm here to help. 
Absolutely. Well, we appreciate your help and we're excited to have it today. (laughs) So before we dive in, I would love to hear a little bit more of your story. How did you get into this space? What made you want to help people get their love lives together? Well, it was quite by accident because believe it or not, I started out as a dating cynic. (laughs) I was not optimistic about love at all. I had no idea how to find it. I didn't understand why all of my girlfriends were dating and I just couldn't seem, I couldn't seem to catch a man. I didn't know what was going on. And then someone told me about this magical thing called online dating. And this was a while ago. This was uh, more than, it was almost 20 years ago, if you can believe it. And that was at the time, you know, I was pretty young. So it wasn't like that I wasn't meeting guys. It was just, I wasn't meeting the right kind of men and people who I could have a real connection with. And so after so many days of seeing me come in with bloodshot eyes and complaining about another guy that broke my heart, my boss at the time was like, you need to find out about this online dating. And it is a treasure trove of men and you need to see what's out there. So I started online dating and then I was like, oh, where have these guys been? I, I could just like, I, I can dial a man. I could just go through the database and find... and. I went through a lot of ups and downs with it, as I'm sure a lot of your listeners are like, well, it's not quite that easy. Yes, I realize it was not that easy. But at the time, my boss that I was working for was a casting director and I was working in casting um, actually at CBS television. And I was teaching classes at night on how to market yourself and how to, how to brand yourself and have headshots that would stand out to a casting director. I was teaching these actors. And then as I was dating, I was like, oh, this is kind of the same thing. So once I applied those same techniques I would tell actors to my own profile, I ended up meeting the man who's still my husband today. I have two beautiful kids. And then people started coming to me saying, what's your secret? How did this work? And I began just writing dating profiles, but then saw that people needed help throughout the process and became certified to do that. That's amazing. So started through personal experience. It isn't that how it always begins. <laughs> it's never what you expect it to be, right? And then you just think, wow, if if I have something that was this effective for me and then has helped so many of my friends and relatives, maybe it could be helpful for other people too. I love that. I love that. I also really appreciated what you said about um, how that space had the overlap with the work that you were currently, that you were doing at that time in terms of helping people kind of brand themselves and market themselves, even though initially you were doing it for folks in the entertainment industry, seeing that similarity when it comes to dating. And I think it adds a bit of intentionality that I think we've been taught to not have, but is pretty necessary. You are a very wise woman. <laughs> you are a very balanced black girl. You you really, you drilled right into the heart of what I do. It's all about taking all of those skills that make you so successful in every other area of your life and apply them to dating. And people say, Damona, that's too much work. I don't want to go through all that. In love, I just wanted to fall in my lap. And then I asked them, well, how's it gone? How's that plan gone so far? And if the answer is not so great, then I'm like, well, then you need a plan to meet your man. And honestly, I do this because it works. It so consistently works when I show people like, don't become somebody else. Don't take all those skills and like lock them away in the boardroom. Take those skills and 
and apply it, apply it to dating. And really look at, I look at dating as a suite of learned skills. It's a set of learned skills that you can get better at. It's not, it's not just something magical like, well, why can that girl get a boyfriend and I can't? Well, what is that girl doing? It's not just because she's, it's not because she's prettier than you. It's not because she's smarter than you. It's not because, I, I don't know, she's, she's sexier. There's something that she's doing that consistently is attracting men. So I just teach, I just teach women how to do that, how to harness those skills within themselves. And then 90% of the people who went through my program last year, it's a three-month program. And I had 90% of the women leave it in a relationship consistently. So I know that the system works. I just need people to trust me and to do it. That's the hard part to actually follow through and do it on any plan, right? Yeah. It's always, I mean, the hard part is always in doing something that I've thought a lot about with dating because I've been um, single and dating for about the past three years now, which I had previous to that had kind of a series of relationships and just had never really dated before. I just would get pursued and then that person would be my boyfriend for a few years and then, you know, so on and so forth. But I realized so much messaging that I had received about it was to like not put any effort into it, to not try, to not, that putting any effort or intention into it makes you desperate or makes you needy. And I realized that that thought process was holding me back so much from having more positive experiences. Yeah, that holds back a lot of women, this idea that it's supposed to happen this way, or I don't want that to be the story that I tell my kids that I met my husband or partner on a dating app. And I'm like, well, I don't know, at least I have kids to tell the story to, (laughs) you know, and I've just, I've just seen it work so consistently that I, I do, I, I appreciate that you are having that, that focus and that perspective, because if you, it's, it's actually kind of walking proof of the, uh, point that I make a lot on my podcast. If you just wait for whatever comes in the door, then you're going to get whatever. And like not to put down on any of your past relationships, I'm sure they were good guys, but were they the right guys for you? And when I flip the perspective and put women in the driver's seat, like you are in control of what happens. You pace the relationship, you you decide what you will allow and what you won't allow. So it's not about you chasing men on dating apps, but it's about you doing the choosing instead of waiting to get choked. I have. Well, they. I've just uh, been in a lot of spaces with men, and these are not men that I was like romantically interested in, or if I was, I was soon uninterested after these conversations. Oh. But where they talk, they make reference to women being chose or trying to help some of their women friends get chose. And I was like, excuse me. I would very much like to actively choose. Like I would like it to be a mutual selection process. And they start kind of their brains start like don't know how to process that information (laughs) because I think it also goes against a lot of what they're taught, at least if we're talking about, you know, hetero partnerships and how those come together. And so I've definitely pushed back on on that quite a bit when I hear men talk about women needing to get chose and acting like they're the ones, you know, who are the only decision makers in that process. See, it's it's useful to make them feel like they're making the decision. <laughs> yeah. But really we are scaffolding it. We are giving them all of the the framework. And and really 
throughout time, women have driven a lot of courtship. And really, when we look at it, courtship is actually a fairly new ritual. Before you were just property, you were just handed off from your father to your spouse, and it was transactional. So really, even the idea of courtship is pretty new. Thought that we are just um, that we are rewriting the rules of chivalry. I'm like, they've only been written down for about 50 years anyways. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) So we do, we do have an opportunity to rewrite it, but you think of like the women dropping the hanky in olden times. And that was the signal to the man that he was going to be able to come and approach. We still do that. We do that on dating apps. We like you look at the way that communication happens on dating apps. And if you care to, we can get into that a lot deeper since that oh, is yeah. really the core of what I love teaching people. But beyond that, if you are in in a bar or club and you make eye contact with a guy, that's what lets him know, oh, I can go over and talk to her. He doesn't want to go up and talk to you if he is going to get rejected, especially in front of his peers and his boys, and he's going to look like an idiot. He's waiting until you have chosen him and given him the signal that you would allow an introduction to happen. And then there's the fools that just will come up and talk to you anyway, but we're not, we're not (laughs) choosing them. They cast a wide net. (laughs) Well, that is a strategy. That's a pickup artist strategy. Yeah. And this is strategy also online. There are a lot of guys that will just swipe, swipe right on everybody and whatever, whoever (laughs) engages. This is why sometimes people will say to me, I don't understand why we matched. And then I messaged him and then nothing happened. Because process is sort of different for women and for men. And again, I'm, I'm speaking in hetero relationships, but women tend to be very selective on dating apps at the beginning. It's like, oh, I didn't like that shirt he wore. <laughs> I don't, mm-hmm. oh, he's 51 miles away and I will only go up to 49 miles. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like all of these little, these little micro choices that we make. And I find that men are so driven by, by the physical first impression that they're just swiping right on anyone like, oh, yeah, yeah, she's okay. I, sh- I would bang her. She's all right. I mean, I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm not saying this to discourage anyone. I just, I think it's important to just have the reality out on the table. And I study all this. I study human behavior and statistics. And so this is, this is just general facts of how most men are swiping on dating apps, but then they'll engage once they get a match. That's when they look at your profile and then they're like, oh, wait a minute. She said she's looking for something serious and I'm not, and this isn't going to work. That's super important to understand how that works though. That's such valuable context. Oh, it's so important. And it's something that most people don't do. Most people only go on dating apps from their perspective. They're like, okay, I'm the prize. Here's my profile. Open the doors. Let's, let's, let's get the applications in. I have my clients flip that whole perspective. We're not, we're not even looking at your experience right now. We're looking at what is the experience of someone on the other side looking at your profile? How are they swiping? What else are they saying? And then how do you, what are you giving them to engage with you? That's such a good way to reframe it. Yeah. It's a flip. 
Yeah, such a good perspective. But it gets very different results, right? Like if you think of it, even like I always say date, like it's your job. So (laughs) if you think of it in the context of a work, recruiting for a job, if you write your resume just like, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily land. Whereas if you look at what are the qualifications for the job? Okay, I have all of these qualifications. How do I highlight that within my resume? And then how do I make my resume stand out? Because this person's probably looking at a hundred other resumes. What's different about my resume that would make this person connect? And when you do that, and you know, I've also I, I've had I had a whole career in television uh, before I started doing this full time, and I went from position to position. I made it all the way up to vice president of programming at NBC Universal. So I know it works. It it, it works in the corporate sector, and all of those skills that I that I applied there, I just refer them right back to dating. And I really look at like nothing in your experience, nothing in your life is wasted. No relationship is wasted time. It's just learning. It's, it's observation. It's opportunity for you to figure out what you need more the next time. That's so good. On the flip side of that, what do you do when you are constantly seeing, like you have this great perspective where you're putting your qualifications forward, you create these profiles, like you have all the reasons why you're a catch front and center, and you're not really seeing that in others, right? So how do we (laughs) judge others' qualifications when it feels like what we're seeing is a little lackluster? This is, I'm asking for myself because that's been my experience. I was going to say, ask, asking for a friend. <laughs> asking no, for a friend. No, that's a really good question. And I do get that. I get that question a lot because I know it can be very, it can feel frustrating when you're putting the effort forward and you feel like nobody's out there matching your effort. But what I remind my clients when they tell me that is that they're only looking for one. So don't give the energy to the people who aren't showing up. That's just an automatic swipe left if they're not putting in the effort. But also, I look at what are you making the judgments based upon? Like there's one thing of I keep sending messages to this guy and he never writes back or he just writes back, hey, or an emoji or one word answers. But then there's the I'm swiping left on everyone and the process of unpacking why. Why have you eliminated all of these matches or why does it seem like that person hasn't put in enough effort to come up to your level? And the reality is you you get such a wide range of reasons for being on these different apps, depending on the app, depending on where you are, depending on the time of day you're using it. <laughs> There's just so much variety. And, you know, I'm sort of nostalgic for the olden days of online dating when we had much more information to go on. Like now I'll swipe for my VIP clients. And on some of the apps, it's just like, I don't know anything about that guy. But I try to see possibility and I try to also distill it down to the essence of that person. Like when I use a lot of intuition in my swiping too. Like when I look at that person, what kind of person do I feel like they are? Like based on the information that's in their their photo, based on the way that they're choosing to present themselves. But overall, women are much more conditioned 
in media and social media to know how to present themselves just overall, like make a good impression, be dressed appropriately, have your hair and makeup the way that that someone would perceive it as you putting in effort <laughs> to look nice. Um, we are conditioned to think about that and to practice that a lot more in our daily lives. And most men do not get that education. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, for women, it's much more of a requirement. As much as I'd hate to say that, we know women and how we appear and that first impression that we have, our you know, ability to fit into certain beauty norms or be conventionally attractive, whether we agree with that or not, impacts us and how we're perceived. And in a lot of ways, our ability to be seen and be successful in a lot of ways that for men, they have other factors where that won't hinder them as much as it could potentially hinder women in some ways. That's really deep. Honestly, that's a really deep perspective on that and and seeing it as a uh, kind of self-limitation that we put on it. And I do hear this too from women, especially women, but you know, I do hear it from guys too, but you know, like I've had clients say, oh, well, I'm not ready to begin the program because I need to lose 10 pounds and then I'll be ready to date. And I'm mm, like, honey. Breaks my heart. Yeah. But I mean, aside from, I've been losing 10 pounds my entire life. Um, aside from that, what happens if you do lose the 10 pounds and then you, you feel better about yourself because you met this goal that you wanted, but then you go out there and you meet these guys who are falling in love with the 10 pound lighter you. And then what happens if or when you gain the 10 pounds back? Cause I've been, I've, I've lost and gained that same 10 pounds like 40 times in my life. And my husband, first of all, can't even see it, which I'm like, girl, I think he's lying. Uh, I'm like, how do you not see this? He cannot see it. But you know, we've had children together. I've been through, you know, injuries and health issues and he has remained consistent and he has loved me and told me I'm beautiful and sexy throughout it. And that's what I really want for people. I don't want you to, to be with someone who only likes this false, perfect version of yourself. Right. Absolutely. And that's such a, such a hard lesson to learn. Like, I feel like I'm in the middle of learning that lesson and it's hard. You have to keep kind of reinforcing it. Oh, and like, I'm not, sitting up here on, on a high horse, like, well, I have it figured out now. Like I live this and breathe this through my clients and the research that I do every day. But the reality is I have those same struggles. I still battle the scale. I still look in the mirror and I'm like, am I pretty enough? Am I, am I good enough? Am I smart enough? You know, all, all of these things, there's still questions for me that I, I have to work through and I do a lot. I do also a lot of spiritual and self-work. I do a lot of meditation and yoga and mindfulness. And I have my clients also do journaling and sort through these feelings because I, I, I feel like it's, it's not fair to tell people like, just don't have the feelings. Yeah. They're going to be there. Right. Mm-hmm. The question is, what are you going to do with them? And how are you putting yourself in a position to move to the healthiest version of yourself? That's all I care about. Mm-hmm. That, and when I say healthiest, I mean, you know, spiritual, mentally and physically healthiest version of yourself. 
100%. Now you're talking our language. <laughs> right, right, exactly. But we're all in it, we're all in it together. And yes. I and I share this with my clients too, like when I'm coaching, if there's a challenge that they've been through that they're going through and I've been through it like it's not therapy. Like that's the difference. A lot of times people are like, is this coaching or is this therapy? I don't kind of keep a a monolithic perspective when I'm coaching and just say like, oh, tell me all your secrets and problems. And then like, hmm, that must be really hard for you. (laughs) Not that that's all that therapy is, but you know, it's really different from coaching. It's all action. It's all action for me. Like we're, yeah, we'll talk about your relationship patterns and then we'll cry about them and we'll talk about your ex. We'll cry about him. And then, and then I say, okay, that happened for me or that happened for this client too. And this is how we fixed it. Now, what are we going to do about that for you? How are we going to shift this? Yeah. I'm of the belief that therapy and coaching are actually like a match made in heaven because I've experienced this a lot. I've been in therapy for a while now talking through a lot of these things, which has been immensely helpful in understanding my own patterns. But a lot of the time after I'll have a breakthrough in therapy, I'm like, cool, now what? Now I'm aware of this thing now what do I do? And it sounds like with coaching that's very action-oriented, that's a good now what after you've identified a feeling. Yes. And I, I actually do collaborate with a number of therapists and BetterHelp is one of my podcast mm-hmm. sponsors. So I am fully supportive of people getting therapy either before they come to me or in tandem with the work that they're doing with me. And I really am about like reducing the stigma in the black community around mental health. Mental health is so important. And, and for far too long, you know, we've been told to just be strong and just move on and you'll get through it. And especially now, like when we're really as a society unpacking our deeply ingrained beliefs. And I know you talk about this on the show a lot as well, but, you know, deeply ingrained beliefs around, Mm -hmm. around race, this, some stuff's going to come up. And like, honestly, I'm, I'm biracial. I'm married to a white guy. And even in the midst of kind of the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement, we've had a lot of uncomfortable situations Mm -hmm. and we've re-examined a lot of events that have happened and experiences that we've had where I'm now realizing that he saw it through a completely different lens than I did. Yeah. And we have to talk about that. And sometimes it's awkward, but if we don't talk about it and if we don't start these kind of conversations with people that we love and care about, then the, the conversations will, will never make it to the fringes of the people that still don't really get what's going on. In our episode today, we're talking about all things dating. And let's be honest, intimacy is part of the dating and relationship experience. And we can't talk about intimacy without talking about the pleasure gap. According to research, men have 20 to 50% more orgasms than heterosexual women during partnered sexual encounters. 
and on average, 75% of women never reach orgasm from intercourse alone, and 10 to 15% of women never climax under any circumstances. And this is what's known as the pleasure gap. On a mission to close the pleasure gap, our sponsor today, Foria, was the first brand to create a comprehensive product line addressing the sexual and pleasure needs of women. Their intimacy collection includes CBD-enriched arousal oil, lubricant, and suppositories to help alleviate women's issues related to painful sex, menstrual cramps, and even post-menopausal issues. I love that their products are all 100% plant-based and organic with zero fragrances, additives, or synthetics, so you don't have to worry about sketchy or mystery ingredients being on or in your body. My favorite product is the Awaken Arousal Oil, which has a cult following and thousands of glowing online reviews. Awaken was specifically formulated with nine botanical extracts working with your body to support taking female pleasure to the next level, enhancing arousal and access to orgasm, and making great sex even better. It is such a fun addition to solo or partnered intimate moments. It smells amazing and is super fun to use. Foria is offering a special offer for Balanced Black Girl listeners. Get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com BBG. That's F-O-R-I-A, foriawellness.com BBG for 20% off your first order. I'm really glad that you brought that up because that was a question I had around if people are either already partnered and in an interracial relationship or are dating interracially. I would imagine that for folks who are dating interracially right now, those conversations probably are coming up a lot sooner because we're just very much in it. Advice for navigating those conversations, either if you're already partnered and it seems uncomfortable to kind of dig into now, or if you're just meeting somebody or just establishing a partnership with somebody and you're talking about those things, how to navigate that. Well, first, I'm going to say something that I think some people might not be up for, but my perspective is that we have to be willing to have the conversations. And a lot of times when I am talking to people about interracial dating, they're like, well, it's just too much work. Like, I don't want to have to explain my culture, explain why we do things this way or prepare them for meeting the parents or being with my friends or translate for them. (laughs) And to me, that that's kind of giving up. I feel like we really do have an opportunity and I feel like love is the bridge that will eventually be able to solve all our problems. Hopefully one day it starts with these conversations. So I really wish that more people were willing to share their culture. And I do hear a lot too around like, oh, fetishization and around dating someone of a different race. And I I also feel like I would love to encourage people to let that go as well and just to kind of take it at face value. There's a person who, it, it, you know, it's one thing if it's just like they are only interested in sex and they have like, they have a sexual fetish around 
being with a black woman, say. That's one thing. And that to me is just, a, that's a lack of alignment in values if that's not what you're looking for, a sexual relationship. But, but if you're looking for a real relationship and that person is is trying to show up for you, but they don't understand, you have to be willing to have those awkward conversations and and really be able to express how, and we might not have the words for it. Sometimes I don't have the words for it. And this is a conversation that began, I've been with my husband 17 years. This conversation began 17 years ago and it's probably never going to be over. (laughs) It's just an ongoing conversation Mm -hmm. and the tone and the color of it shift day by day, but we're getting somewhere. But okay, so so real tips is being willing to have those conversations, um, preparing them for situations. You know, if you're if you're walking into a situation where they are going to be the only person of a different race there, let them know. Just let them know what they're walking into, mm-hmm. and also don't put other people in the hot seat either. So let them know who's coming to dinner. Yeah, not a so guess they, who moment. <laughs> No guess who moments. It's really clear how you set everybody up for success. That's my biggest tip. And know that you're going to get the haters. You're going to get the people that don't understand it. I even think about my parents, you know, this was a while ago, but I know this still happens today. Like people would question them on the streets. They go to the restaurant. They'd be like, why are you with her? Um, And it was you know, I know it was really hard for parents to navigate through that. And we really think about it like it's only been what, 50 years since Mm -hmm. the loving, since the loving case. Mm -hmm. It's not very long. That is not very long to be shifting perspectives. But I see so much opportunity. I see so much opportunity for understanding. And whether we're talking about dating interracially or not, the fact that we have a dating pool so broad at our fingertips through dating apps and that you can choose someone not that's just in your immediate area or who your mom knows or your friend knows or who goes to your church, but you can choose somebody that's really matched for you on a values basis, on a goals for the future basis, who has a good communication style with you, who has respect for you. That's exciting to me. <laughs> It is. I think one complaint that people have, and this is maybe a broader comment about especially online dating, is almost too many options. Either feeling like they themselves have too many options or there's too much, um, just too many options out there where they're having a hard time finding people to make commitments because people are a little bit too excited about having that opportunity. And it's hard to make those genuine connections for people who are feeling that way. How do you recommend they navigate that? Yes, the paradox of choice is real, but there are a lot of ways around that. Mm -hmm. So the fun thing that I do with clients is I can really fine tune and tailor my, my approach based on what's happening for them. So I have a whole swath of of people who come to me who are like, I cannot make a connection. Like I'm not getting any any feedback on the dating app. And there, I tell them to widen their parameters, get more people in the funnel. Then there's another subset of people that have 
like you said, too many options. I'm getting so many messages. I can't even keep up with them. I'm inundated. And I just feel like there's endless swipes and I'm not really making a connection with anyone. I don't feel that if you make a real connection, I think it's a myth that people are just looking for the next best thing, especially in the era of a pandemic. I have had more clients get married in the last (laughs) six months. I have had more clients move into serious relationships very quickly. And I see that it's really more about specificity and being really clear upfront in your profile early on in dates about what you want. Because you can get into these situations that will drag a lot of energy out of you and not add up to anything. And those are the things that create the dating fatigue and dating exhaustion. And I see your head nodding. Oh, that's been totally my experience. Like when people ask me about my experiences dating, the way I sum it up is saying I'm overwhelmed by the process and underwhelmed by the results. Like I'm overwhelmed by the sheer volume underwhelmed by the men I meet, the conversations I have and and what comes from it. So what I would say then is to be, if you're dating online, look at your profile again and be really, really specific. Be specific in your, in your photos. And I talk about the three C's a lot. Uh, the three C's are color, context, and character. Color is using color to stand out from the lineup so that that person stops and isn't just like swipe, 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 swipe. (laughs) They stop (laughs) and they actually go further into your profile. Context is telling your story through your pictures and character is the one that most people miss. And that is the real personality. And those are the kind of pictures that are going to make someone who's right for you take clear, decisive action and someone who's wrong will be totally repelled by that. <laughs> you know, if it's something where it's like showing like your artsy side, your nerdy side, your bookish side, your goofy side, showing that part would make some people go, oh no, I thought I had a different idea of who she was. And then we'll make others really lean in. And th- that's the one that people don't do because it's like we were saying earlier. We're out here trying to look our best, like trying to put on this facade. We have our glamour shots. We have our high angle selfie. (laughs) We have our group shots with our girlfriends, which is also not allowed in my program, no group shots. Um, You're the star of your profile. So you're, you're telling your story. And when you tell your story more clearly and concise, in a concise way, you get more meaningful connections. And that's, that's, I think, what you're missing. Mm, That's good advice. I'm going to definitely apply that. I need to revisit my profile. I've also like never updated it in like two years. So that's, that's the other problem. That's a mistake. <laughs> but it, so many people do it. I know, I know all your listeners right here are like, oh yeah, yeah, me too, me too. So I look at the profile as a living document. It is never finished. Mm-hmm. It, it is always evolving as you are evolving. And then you also are beating the algorithm. If you are updating your profile, then you're, you get boosted to the top of the search queue again mm. because they want they one it's telling oh new new information new person and they want people who are engaging with the app because you're yeah. going to be active you're going to tell your friends about it you're going to give other users a good experience so they'll reward you for that even okay cupid recently they just did a huge huge app 
redesign, the biggest in their entire history. It looks much more like Instagram now. And they have these different, um, they call them stacks, but basically under the double take feature, they have all of these like new online now, um, people who have a high match percentage with you. And then they also have one which is for people who answer the most questions, the people who are engaging most with the app. They have Mm. their own stack of of being featured at the top of the app. And they don't pay for that. They can get featured there by being engaged. So, you know, all of these dating apps, they're just tools. They're just tools. But most people are not using them effectively. They're like trying to hammer a nail in (laughs) with a saw and they're going, why am I so frustrated? This is not working. Yeah. You have to use the tool correctly and you have to be proactive. I say this to women all the time. You need to be doing the choosing. So you need to also be sending outgoing messages. I've been saying this since way before Bumble was even a twinkle in Whitney Wolf's eye. (laughs) I've been saying to women, you take charge, you send the email, you do the picking, and then you choose among who comes back to you. And keep in mind, the average response rate is really only about 30%. So you have to send at least 10 messages to expect three responses. That's okay. Don't get caught up on the seven you didn't get. Get caught up on the three that engaged with you and try and drive that into a more meaningful connection. Mm, that's really uh, speaking as like a, a content creator it sounds a lot like creating content and trying to beat the instagram algorithm like it sounds Ooh, like a very similar me. process i haven't figured out how to beat the instagram well I, neither have i but even trying to be <laughs> remotely seen on instagram it sounds like a very similar process so it's that you are you're trying you're trying out a lot of different iterations. Yeah. And just actually using the features, using the, Mm. you know, using the app to its fullest potential when they roll out an update, when they roll out reels, you know, are you using it? And for folks who use it to its fullest potential. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I think I just learned something today as well. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds very similar, which is something that on the app, I have not implemented that strategy. So that's good advice. This is the cool thing that most people come to me in the same same place that you are and they just have one or two things that are just a little bit out of alignment and we just fine tune those things and it's amazing how quickly people will call me and be like i have more more dates than i knew <laughs> know what to do with or i'll i'm getting like i did i did a profile polish polish for a woman on uh, for Shondaland.com, Shonda Rhimes mm-hmm. website. And they had like three different dating coaches and we all did a profile makeover. And the person who came to me, she was like, she was in her late 20s and she was like, yeah, I've been out here dating. I've been on the app for a couple of years. I'm going on dates. But she's like, I'm not really meeting any good guys. And I was like, instantly I could tell. I'm like, you have a bikini shot, right? Yes. You have group shots with your girlfriends. Yes. You have these pretty photos, but like, I don't know anything about you. I don't know anything about your story. So I went through and polished her profile and had her put pictures that had more of the context in. And it's really interesting. In the article, she talks about how she got fewer messages. And initially, it hurt her ego. She she thought, wait, what's 
what, what am I doing wrong? I had this dating expert help me and I got fewer messages. But she realized that the messages she were getting were much more targeted, much more specific. It wasn't just like, hey, hey, beautiful. I mean, how sick and tired of those messages are we? <laughs> but it was real quality messages that were like from men that had really read her profile and are like, oh, I love skiing too. Like, where were you when you took that picture? You know, they really could engage on a deeper level, which led to a better dating experience for her. So less is sometimes more and specific is way better than general. Such good advice. <laughs> so, so helpful. I'm like, I'm going to revamp mine a little later today when we're done. Oh, I can't um, wait to see it. Will you send it to me? I will. I can send you a before and after. I struggle though. So I, in preparing for this interview, I was like, I should probably get my app together and get my, I tried to like, you know, be better at this. And I was looking at those prompts that it gives you. And I was just like, I hate these questions. I don't even know how to answer those questions. And then I was like, well, what does that say about me? Probably why I, I don't have very good conversations on these apps because I, <laughs> I hate the prompts. And that's why my profile is probably a little lackluster. Well, I mean, most of them have a variety of prompts you can choose from, but I would say that might mean that you're not on the right app. Mm -hmm. But I know a lot of times people have trouble writing about themselves. So I actually created a profile starter kit that's like plug and play, like fill in the blank of profiles that I have written before that have been successful for people and other prompts that you can use. But it depends on the app. That's for more of an open-ended profile. Mm -hmm. If it's one where you have like a hinge, yeah. where you have to fill in the questions or an OkCupid, you get a bio, but then you have to, to get any kind of matching algorithm going. You have to be answering their questions fairly regularly. But it's, you know, it's for anyone that feels like they have a little bit of writer's block around themselves in their dating profile, which is totally normal. <laughs> That's good to know. I'll make sure we link that in the show notes so folks can check yeah. that out. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so we've obviously mentioned a very big event, the pandemic that has affected us all. <laughs> yeah. um, but I would love to talk a little bit more about navigating dating during a pandemic. We've touched on it a little bit, but I would love to get a little bit more specific because I think that is... Uh, it's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. I know I felt when the pandemic started like, well, wasn't able to lock anything down before this pandemic. So here I am kind of thinking like, oh, oh well, missed the deadline, which is not a good mindset to have. And I've, I've worked on that. But honestly, back in March, that was very much how I felt. And I know that a lot of people feel anxiety around COVID, feel anxiety around dating. And then you kind of put those two together and it's like double anxiety. Um, how do you recommend folks navigate that so that they can ease those feelings of anxiety, maybe make the experience of dating with our new normal a little bit more enjoyable? Mm. This is a big question. And I'll admit, like even as a dating coach, I'm a little bit thrown by COVID uh, yeah. because I've, I've been doing this for 15 years, but two biggest disruptors in the entire time I've been doing this have been Tinder because profiles before it was like the match.com style. That was everything. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was writing, I was writing a book and I was like, I got to get this book out before something changes because <laughs> I was like, online dating has been so static for like 10 years and something is bound to change. And then the next year Tinder hit 
And that changed everything. It opened up dating apps and made it possible for people to date that otherwise were not either out of the dating pool, were not comfortable with the perception of dating apps. But then here comes Auntie COVID, I call her. (laughs) And Auntie COVID has really, it's really uh, scrambled, I would say, scrambled the dating process. So what I used to be able to predict with very linear regularity, I can't predict quite as clearly anymore. Yeah. Because everyone's reaction to it, like you brought up the anxiety, everyone's reaction to COVID, everyone's experience with COVID is different. Mm -hmm. So on one extreme, I have people who are rushing into relationships, maybe a little bit too fast, but rushing into relationships. On the other end, there are people that some of my clients are going out with who, like I had a client who had two dates cancel last week because they had to take COVID tests and they were quarantining. Mm. One of whom came back as COVID positive. Oh, which gosh. Is just like, I, I've gotten so many emails this week of like, oh, I had a date set up, but the dude got COVID, so I can't go. And I'm like, what? And so it brings up a lot of additional decision points along the way. Like now I have to decide, do I want to do a phone call or do I want to do video chat? Do I want to do video chat? Do I want to do a social distance date? Do I want to do a social distance date with masks or do I want to do a social distance date and potentially like actually have dinner and take my mask off or drinks? And then when do I actually make contact with this person? Like, can I touch him if he's wearing a mask or should I wait? It's it's so many questions. Yeah. That's why I say it's scrambled because everything that I mention is a different variation that you might run into while you're dating. So the principles I teach people about flirting apply in this situation. Mm-hmm. And I actually use improv to show my clients how to get better at flirting. Improv teaches you not to be funny, although that's an added bonus. Yeah. <laughs> you're funny because whatever is in the environment you're reacting to it. Yeah. So that helps them be a little bit more able to respond and react in these situations. And I have people really, now I have my clients write up a COVID safety plan. Mm -hmm. Just the same way, like I always used to say, have a plan, thank you, around sex and STIs and that conversation. I would say like, Decide in your mind already how many drinks you can have before you make bad decisions. Decide before you even get to it when you would be comfortable having sex with this person. Decide in advance when they, when you are comfortable introducing them to your friends. Because when you get into the moment and you get caught up and you just want to dive in, you forget it and all those things go out the window. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't made a decision about like your comfort level on a date, I, I mean, honestly, I had this situation happen um, over the weekend with my cousin came over and he's a little bit more lax with his <laughs> COVID rules. And I, because it wasn't a date, <laughs> I hadn't like made a plan in my mind, but my cousin was like, uh, he has a mask and he comes over to give me a hug. And I was like, uh, and I gave him a hug. And then afterwards I was like, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. And so I know that's exactly what's going through my clients' minds when they're like, oh, that person was like, can I kiss you? And I was like, uh, uh, I don't know. And then I have other clients that have told me, well, I assessed the risk 
and I decided it was okay to kiss them. I don't know how you assess someone's risk. Yeah. I think you are just taking a calculated risk yourself unless Mm -hmm. you two have decided to go get tested. Yeah. It's complicated. Mm -hmm. I feel like I took a complicated question and maybe made it more complicated, (laughs) but I think the bottom line is decide these things before you start catching feelings because when you're in the moment, you're not going to know what to say. You're going to backtrack on your convictions. Yeah. You haven't made a clear decision about it. And yeah. I don't I don't want anybody here catching COVID. And I'm so sorry for anyone uh, that is listening to this who either has had COVID or who's lost someone to COVID because yeah. it's real. It's mm-hmm. it's it's real. And I know for some people also, they're dealing with like, I want to be with someone and I want to be dating, but I'm still in mourning. Yeah. And maybe you're in mourning for a person. Maybe you're in mourning for your life before. Mm-hmm. Like so I'm in real. mourning for going to my job. I'm in mourning for having brunch. Yeah. You know, like there's, there's different layers and levels of this. And that's why it's so challenging to navigate right now because everybody is coming at this from a different perspective, different experience and a different level. So as long as we're like communicating with each other and really staying clear to our convictions and staying in the moment, mm-hmm. that's, that's how we're going to go through it because we can't wait. Yeah. You can't just say, I just missed the boat. And I guess I did. And that didn't work out. That hasn't worked out. That has, I don't recommend that for anybody. No, no. And we're at this point now where we have to figure this out. We have yeah. to figure COVID out and returning to life in a safe way, which obviously we are not doing mm-hmm. right now. And we have to figure out dating because this is one of our primary needs. Yeah. And even you think of the power of touch and how like infants who are not touched, what happens to them and humans who do not have contact with other people and the spiral into depression that so many people are experiencing. Mm -hmm. Somebody asked me the other day, like what, what about dating someone who has been diagnosed with depression? I was like, well, that's everybody, honey. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Like everybody in this, I feel like in, in this period of time is, is in some way, it has to have processed some form of depression mm-hmm. at some point. It's true. It's so true. I think, I mean, I think that was such a great answer because there is no one clear cut method or way to go about it. But I think the advice of knowing what you need to feel safe, knowing what your boundaries are and clearly communicating and understanding what those are for yourself before proceeding in any fashion is the best that we can do. And that's it. Just do the best that we can do. That's all we can do is show up our best selves, the best way that we know how in that moment at that time. And then you have to forgive yourself for all the rest. Mm -hmm. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're going to make a mistake. Yeah. You're going to slip up at some point. Something is not going to go your way. You're going to say the wrong thing, but we have to have compassion for ourselves and for other people. I've noticed people are hella triggered right now, like Mm -hmm. on social media. I mean, politics and it's a perfect storm of politics and COVID and, you know, unemployment, everything, everything. We're throwing everything in there. But look, we have an opportunity to work through all of this right now and- Mm -hmm. 
I think if you you go through these struggles and trials and tribulations, then you come out the other side stronger than you were before. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And it's so necessary for where we are. It's the only way we can get through, honestly. It's true. <laughs> it's true. We have to believe that. Otherwise, you know, we'll we'll all get stuck in the spiral. Yeah. Absolutely. Positive. Yeah. Along the lines of COVID dating, I think another challenge that people have been met with is ways to actually meet people. So we've talked a lot about online dating and those profiles and it feeling like that's kind of our only option right now. I'm curious from your perspective, like, is that our only option right now? Are there other kind of creative ways we can like, we can meet people for those people who truly love to hate the dating apps or who are very skeptical? I would be lying and I would be hiding the fact <laughs> if I told you that, yes, there are other great ways to meet people today. Honestly, dating apps are the biggest game in town and they're only getting bigger throughout the pandemic. 40% of people met their match through dating apps in the, the most recent study on this data. And I'm sure coming out of the pandemic, that's going to get higher. So that is the most powerful toolbox. And that is why I have my clients and my dates and mates listeners spend the most of their effort and energy figuring that part of the process out. I could tell you the other ways that you can meet someone today because there are other methods, but I have to level with everyone that they are much more labor intensive for a much smaller result. So I will give them to you now. And then if you want to do the work, by all means, have at it. If it were me, I wouldn't. But (laughs) Facebook groups, there are so many Facebook groups, virtual meetups happening right now, social distance meetups. There's still things happening. People are still looking for ways to connect, not necessarily in singles groups, but in groups around like book club or a particular a particular TV show or some sort of an interest that you have. That said, you could also search hashtags. It's definitely still going down in the DMs. So you could search hashtags or (laughs) follow threads that have people commenting on things that you're already interested in. But again, depending on the social platform you're on, not know if that person is single or not. So you have to do that. I've made that mistake. I, I, I slid in the wrong DM. Well, you know, nobody can fault you for trying. It's yeah. just what happens once you find that, right? Um, then there's, of course, setups through friends. And that's still, I, I would say that's one of the safest ways mm-hmm. to meet someone today, but it's still one of the most labor-intensive ways. I have people yeah. ask not just their closest friends, but to really extend the circle out and see who are friends of friends or who are acquaintances that might know someone who is fits into my ideal mate um, vision. So that's another way. Wait, you said ideal mate vision. Do you recommend people identify the qualities of their ideal mate? 100%. Oh, yeah. what does that entail? We started out talking about, about the clarity, right? Um, yeah. Intention. So uh, I, I do that in a lot of different ways. Um, it could be a vision board. It could mm-hmm. be journaling. It could be just starting out with writing the qualities that you're looking for on a piece of paper and really distilling that down to like the top three qualities that you're looking for in a match. But having that in mind when you think about who you're going to ask for a setup, because how many of us have been like, 
hey, girl, if you know anybody who's single, hook me up, you know? And mm-hmm. then you either get nothing or you get like, how did you think that that person <laughs> is going to be right for me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you go to them with a lot more clarity about what it is that you're looking for, not only are you more likely to get that, but you're also programming them to think of you when they're out and about meeting people. But seriously, don't even bother with the grocery store. Like there's this, <laughs> there's this myth about the grocery store. People are like, oh, grocery store is the best place to meet singles. No, it is not. It's the worst place to meet singles. It's very low. Now we have to wear a mask. Like, honestly, <laughs> release the fantasy. It's not going to happen that way. If it does, magically, good for you. But I'd rather you put some effort around some of these other areas that are more likely to yield results in the form of a perfect match. Mm, Being a bit more strategic about it. Yes. Strategy is everything. Yeah. I agree with the grocery store thing because I used to be a food blogger. No one spent more time at the grocery store than me. Also used to work at the grocery store and never, never had such luck. (laughs) No. Oh, but then there's work also. That's the other thing that's really complicated right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So increasingly over the last 10 years, more and more people have been meeting at work or forming the idea that it's a good idea to meet someone at work. And I think that was because we were just working so much and we mm-hmm. were in the office so much that those are the people that we were spending all of our time with. Yeah. I'm not really here for it personally. I think I, I am in case you can't tell, very much a feminist. (laughs) And I want women to be also making moves in the boardroom. Mm -hmm. I don't like the crossover. I think it's messy. Uh, Believe me, I tried it before. (laughs) Uh, Clients that have tried it often ends up messy. And then everyone's going to write in. They're all going to write into you and say how they know this person who met their husband because they were working together and whatever. Okay. Those are the exceptions. I'm telling you the rule. Yeah. And that's the thing with all my dating advice. There's always going to be an exception. Like when Demi Lovato came out as uh, being engaged and she, well, she came out too, but, but aside from that, when she said she was engaged <laughs> to that, to Max Eric and they had just been quarantining together for six months, not even, I think they'd been quarantining together for like three months at that mm-hmm. point. And she was like, I'm in love, I'm getting married. And I said, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Too much. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. It's too, too much fast. too soon. Too much too soon. I said, know somebody through all the seasons before you get engaged to them. And everybody filled up my Instagram feed with, well, Demona, there's this story of this person who got my, I met my wife or this person I know, they only dated for 10 days. And I'm like, that is the exception and not the rule. And then what happened? Demi Lovato tried to she dropped a new single and tried to pretend like it had never happened and they were never even engaged. <laughs> I don't want you all to go through that. I no. don't want you to go through that. And how emotionally draining must that experience be? Oh my gosh. I can't worth imagine. It. Not worth it. Take your time. Slow love is what I believe in. Mm, I love that. <laughs> I, like the, I like the slow love. Not to put Demi Lovato on blast. No, She's it's just an example. Artist. It's data. It's all data. <laughs> She's a wonderful artist, but she gives me a lot of fodder for my podcast. Demona, this has been so incredibly helpful. Before we wrap up, I have to kind of bring it full circle because I know earlier we mentioned the work that you do with yourself and with your clients around mindfulness. Obviously, this is a health and mindfulness podcast. 
relationships are a huge part of our health. So we've been really talking about health-related things this whole time, but I would love to talk a little bit more circling back to your self-care practices. How are you staying centered and balanced, especially in 2020 when we have pandemic, all of the things? Mm. Well, first of all, I have discovered that my body needs to move every day. Mm -hmm. So I make it an absolute priority, no matter what kind of day I've had to do something, even if it's 10 minutes on the Peloton bike, maybe not 10 minutes, that's quite short, (laughs) 15 minutes Peloton bike um, or yoga, or I also find I need to get into nature. This is something that I've just discovered recently because I'm, I'm a hardcore city girl. Like I love the city. I'm from Michigan and I, I've spent, I spent half of my life running from the wilderness. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, let's go camping. No, I want none of that. <laughs> so recently though, I have discovered how centering it is for me to be in nature, to be, to hike and like be in the earth. And so like I'm going, I'm going hiking with a girlfriend, social distance hiking tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I really build all of that into my schedule. My schedule is my life. <laughs> I, I like, if, I'm, I'm always say if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist. So I make sure that I block everything in. And that includes also time with my family. I have two little kids and I want them to know that in spite of as busy as I am and as stressed as I always am when I'm like really busy, that I can still take those moments to power down, to be with them and to, to just support them as growing humans. I think that part of our self-care has to also be connecting with people. And I know Mm -hmm. for a lot of people that can't be necessarily in person, but it could be just picking up the phone and calling, calling a friend or calling a relative and making sure that those connections stay strong. So I do all of the things, but even just doing, starting with some of those things, and I'm sure your listeners are very enlightened in this way, but just starting somewhere, like I would love to say, I have a very dedicated meditation practice and every day I meditate for 20 minutes and it's just like not going to happen, never Mm going to happen in my life. But look, if I can catch 10 minutes here or there, I'm happy, I'm proud of myself and it makes a difference in whatever comes next. 100%. I love that. And I think that that's that's where we're all at. I mean, even me included, I talk about this stuff all day and and still things like that are tools, but None of us are, I think, 100% on any of those things right now. We're doing the best we can to stay centered and get through all this. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And like little goals. Like Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to floss more. (laughs) (laughs) Like that doesn't seem like a self-care ritual, but it really... Oh, it totally is. I've realized that it absolutely is. I'm tired of my dentist (laughs) chewing me out about my poor flossing habits. And so that's something that I committed to. I was just mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to floss mm-hmm. every morning and every night. And I'm proud to say I've made it th- this far in the pandemic and I've <laughs> largely stuck to my goal, but I don't beat myself up if there's a day that I miss it. I just pick up the next day and start where I left off. Words to live by. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So Demona, what does being a balanced Black girl mean to you? 
To me, it actually means being in the moment. Mm. It means being right here and not being focused on the past or fixated on the future mm-hmm. and being right here, right now, here with you and being a co-creator in every moment that I'm living in. Mm, so good. Being present. I love that. And I think especially right now when we have so much uncertainty, it's been such a hard year and we still have so much uncertainty ahead of us. Being present is one of the best things we can do for ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that's so much anxiety comes from ruminating on what happened before mm-hmm. or projecting out into the future like oh what's going to happen and we don't know mm-hmm. we don't know so all we can do is is create in this moment and react to where we are right now so good thank you so much so demona how can our audience keep in touch with you where can we find your podcast if folks wanted to work with you like how can they do that yes well i have the dates and mates podcast every week for eight seasons, I've been helping people find love through celebrity stories and how it would apply to you through interviews and also through Q&A and helping people on their specific love dilemmas. And I'm also on all of the socials at Demona Hoffman. And then you can also find out I'm the dating expert of the Drew Barrymore show. So you can find out if you follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook when I'm going to be live on air on that show. And then Oh, and working with me. Yeah. Yes. So right now I'm doing, I'm gearing up for in January, we're going to be relaunching my group program. Right now my programs are full, but in January there'll be a new influx, a new class of mindful daters that are ready to attack the new year and with a different mindset. Um, So we'll be doing that, but you can kind of get in the loop by going to my website, demonahoffman.com and opting in to, to stay in touch there. And then I have a bunch of other online programs. I actually have a meditation series and yoga, a yoga class that I'm going to be releasing, I think in December. And also uh, my first date starter kit, my profile starter kit, so many other goodies at DemonaHoffman.com. Perfect. We'll make sure we link your website, your podcast, and all of your socials in the show notes to make it super easy to find because that's all incredible. So and that was a mouthful. <laughs> I know that was a mouthful, but there's so many ways. It's I great. I'm super available. It's so easy to find me and I'm here to help. So thank you for the opportunity. Yes. To speak to the other balanced black girls. <laughs> thank you so much for all of your super helpful advice. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Balanced Black Girl Podcast. I hope this conversation helped inspire you on your own personal self-care and well-being journey. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss future episodes and head to balanceblackgirl.com for show notes and more information. If you'd like more support finding your balance, join our private membership community for self-care tools, exclusive content, and more. Visit balanceblackgirl.com slash community for more information. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to share it with a friend. Thanks so much for tuning in.